This is The New Right, a podcast for the lost arts, reclaiming the literary holy land from the heathen. This is Matt Pegas. And this is Dan Baltic. And we are here today with a filmmaker, uh, Josiah McGarvey. Am I saying I'm saying your last name correctly? Yeah, perfect, yeah. Good, good. I always <laughs> make sure, because you never know. Uh, but Josiah is, um, he direct, directed uh, a very, very good, very sharp documentary about 4chan about the sort of what actually nick fuentes in the documentary calls the apogee of the meme war uh the he will not divide us incident uh in which 4chan trolls trolled none other than shia labeouf uh josiah has made a very good very entertaining very informative frankly uh documentary about this mimetic this this mimetic event that was not uh, given the proper coverage uh, by the mainstream media for obvious reasons, but which I really do, I think Dan and I both really do think is a, a highly relevant, um, you know, bit of cultural and in certain ways political history from, from early 2017. It's a really good documentary, Dividers. Uh, we'll tell you all about how you can watch it later on, but first of all, Josiah, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, great no, to have you on, man. Very, very good. Uh, Josiah joins us from Australia, and as we were just discussing, it's definitely probably one of our uh, furthest out guests we've had on. We are recording this spanning continents and uh, spanning time zones, spanning days, in fact. It's <laughs> Sunday for Dan and I, Monday for Josiah, but we all are coming together to do this. It's very cool. I guess I'll back up a step. I actually came across this movie... Um, are you are you familiar? I assume you've had some dialogue with him with Hadrian uh, Belov here in LA. Yeah, yeah, I'm familiar with Hadrian. Yeah, yeah, he's he is known. Um, yeah, there's a whole history with Hadrian that we don't need to get into. But he he his sort of former career was filming sort of odd and out there movies, and he has continued to do this. And I actually caught one of his screenings of this documentary. I think when it was very very new, when it had just been released in some kind of way it since then i think it kind of was taken down and then you re put it up we'll get into that later but i saw it back in november uh in person at a you know a, a screening it was a i have a bit of a story related to it which is um <laughs> has some entertaining value to it i think uh, yeah, I, love uh, to hear it. yeah no because it is related to your documentary a little bit so well, well not not to the content but it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a it's a it's a unique screening experience hadrian screened this in a, a sort of warehouse um that has been re reappropriated for other purposes in downtown LA, kind of near where things get a bit sketchy. And uh, this was <laughs> day after Halloween, kind of weird vibes in the air. And I go there, park my car on the street, <laughs> um, go in, watch the movie, love it, meet a lot of cool people, uh, really enjoy the movie. And I go out, and my car is gone. And I think that 
At first, I assume that it's been towed, but it doesn't match up. And I talked to Hadrian and others at the screening, and, and lo and behold, they're like, "Sounds like your go- it sounds like your car got stolen, man." Oh, um, and that is in fact what happened. My car was stolen um, during this screening. No. Of the uh, the, Matt was divided from his car. I was divided from my car. Divided, um, he got divided. <laughs> but it wasn't 4chan. It was. I guess there's a trend online. Well, it's not 4chan, but it's a little bit similar to that kind of vibe. It was. Um, mm-hmm. There's some trend online where people steal cars and record themselves driving them around like maniacs. Um, and I kind of realized pretty soon after filing the police report that this is probably what had happened. Wasn't expecting to see the car again, but I got it back in one piece two days later. So it does have. Wow! Um, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, you got a, trolled in real life. That was that's real life real trolling. Life. Absolutely, <laughs> a bit of a chaotic event. But during the time that I didn't have my car and that I got it back, I did send you a DM, Josiah, and say we should get you on New Right. Loved your doc. Want to talk about it? Um, and then, and you basically said, you know, let's do it down the line. Um, mm. I want to talk about the content that we could get into, sort of the distribution and. And why you've released it, how you've released it, and, and when it's going to be more widely available. But, um, but yeah, we did kind of set this up from from early on, and, and you reached out to me a couple of weeks ago and said the time had come to promote. So um, we're very glad to have you. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, it's 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 been a long time coming. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know if this is ass backward way to start, but I guess we could talk a little bit about. It. So you at that time you, when I first DM'd, you said that you know, you'd love to come on the pod, but but you were kind of looking for a bigger distributor for dividers. Is that still sort of in the works? Yeah, yeah. It was, um, it's, it's kind of, it's not the most interesting uh, story, but basically like I don't, you know, I've got a, a filmmaking background. I've, I've done documentaries and that sort of thing. That's sort of my expertise. And I'd never done one sort of uh, independently distributed and that sort of thing. So I thought, you know what? I'll make this documentary. Um, I'll put all the effort into making the best, uh, the best like version of the story that I can, and then just put it out on a website. Um, just yeah, you know, set up a Shopify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just my own website. Set up a set up a Shopify, or whatever, and then see if there's any <clears throat> interest, basically. And within a week of putting it out. Um, some people had started to reach out to me. Hadrian was one of them. Very cool. He was, um, uh, yeah, he was very cool. Uh, he said, "Hey, this is a great documentary. I can." <clears throat> he he offered to sort of help get me in contact with with some people, and he he said basically, "Look, you want to? It's only been up for a very short period of time. You want to take it down um, to make it more desirable to for distributors." So I talked to yeah. a few. <clears throat> had a few conversations and eventually I um, I got uh, help distributing with uh, a company called Movies Plus. They're like a yeah. Netflix alternative. You may have heard of them. They got some cool documentaries on um, on their platform. They're, they're one of these alternative platforms. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and and so they like, hey, we'll 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 do a distribution deal with you. We'll put it on our platform. We'll help you get it on Amazon. I, it just came out on Amazon, so so, that, so it was yeah. on Movies Plus for a little oh, while. Nice. It's now on Amazon. Hopefully, it'll be on iTunes and maybe um, maybe uh, what's the other one? Google Play. Yeah. So Google Play, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's the story there. It was up for a little while and then it was down and it's up again. Yeah. Well, no, it, it is interesting to, you know, how these things end up getting distributed. And, um, you know, is there is there a thought that, uh, 
you know, the, the, the Netflix is the Hulu. I mean, obviously, you have to be kind of big to get on their radar, but is there a thought that maybe some of these bigger distributors would also avoid it for political reasons? Or Oh, yeah, totally. Like, the the um, <clears throat> when you reached out to me, I, I think um, I don't want to misrepresent uh, your views or anything, but but uh, my impression was you felt like it was a pretty fair representation yeah. of of yeah. the of the whole event um and so you know and i tried to do that as well you know i wanted to be fair i wanted to be sort of an honest representation but there's certain there's certain subjects that you can't you, you can't make an honest representation of Exactly. A story, yeah. if you want to get it anywhere mainstream, and even I think, even I think, an honest representation of this story would be too edgy for a lot of um, even political, even political like like uh, right wing political. Yeah, like conservative. Yeah, people. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, because just because you know, like Sam Hyde's in it, and um, yep. he's an edgy Nick political Fuentes. figure. Nick yeah. Fuentes is in it. He's he's too edgy for a lot of people, and so. Um, even just talking, like like Nick Fuentes doesn't go into anything political in the documentary. He was there yeah. at, at the yeah. at the live stream. But even just portraying Nick Fuentes in a neutral way and getting his story as a witness is too controversial. It's too exactly. I Absolutely. think for most people, it's seen as too political. It's it's a political message in and of itself to to give these guys a um, a, a uh, fair representation or a neutral yeah, representation. Yeah. But but adding to that, I mean, uh, you do, you know, and I could see the criticism a little more, I guess, if it was only Nick and Sam who were interviewed. But you mm. interview, like, the person who was kind of on the other side quite extensively. I don't remember the guy's mm. name off the top of my head. I, I wish I did, honestly. Because, you know... Um, it was Paperboy Prince. Paper yeah, Paperboy right? Prince. Like no, he gives yeah. a great interview. He gives you know, a great perspective on it. I think... This is doxable, but uh, I'm in New York City, and I'm pretty sure he wound up running for office yes. for like city council or something. He ran for mayor. I remember of New York City. Oh, oh, mayor, yeah, maybe it was mayor. Yeah, I, yeah. As yeah. I saw like <laughs> this guy on the ballot, I'm like, paper boy, friend, what the fuck? And uh, yeah, now uh, now I know who he is. Yeah, no, I um, I'll get into this more, but I really do think that that it is fair. Like, I think that you are sympathetic to the four channers far more mm. than than one is supposed to be in polite society yeah uh, and, and and yeah as you said you can't really even have a, a straightforward interview with nick fuentes uh that's also forbidden but but nevertheless i do just think it's a very well-made documentary in terms of getting different angles on it uh and also i just <laughs> think frankly the subject matter think what you want about trump and about 4chan and about that period in history um i just think this stuff does matter like the 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 influence that a certain social media platform being 4chan um had on the culture at a certain point um and, and it doesn't any longer but if I mean, like you would think that even if you were um of the le- very much of the left or or just very much of the mainstream like oh this stuff is very bad like uh populists online should not be able to do this kind of thing you'd think even if that was your take like that there there is a value um in kind of seeing the way this worked and especially we'll talk about the capture the flag sort of sequence just seeing how quick uh all that came together so it's almost scientifically interesting um so i would any any doubt or anyone who may want to avoid this doc for political reasons i would really encourage to to see it from that angle that like this stuff happened and it does matter it it matters and it matters more be it, it matters for reasons beyond just that oh it hurt people's feelings like it was yeah it was an event, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. I I think the um, 
the the way to understand the perspective here is when you're like talking about being biased or, or coming from a certain bias, like I, I think everyone should realize this. There's there's a concept that I've been really fascinated with for a long time, and um, you know, whenever a document a new documentary comes out about some some subject. Generally speaking, like you meet your friend, you meet up with your friend at the bar and he'll go, you know, they made a documentary about he will not divide us or they, they made a documentary about this subject or that subject. And the way that they present it is they, they, they say they made a documentary. And the implication is that, you know, the, the whoever had the, the most unbiased, knowledgeable perspective on yeah. the subject, uh, who was, to- you know, who has like the final word, like the the universe decided who was the best person for the yeah, job. They, they, the Ministry of Truth is almost exactly, the yeah, <laughs> exactly, yeah. and and so, um, you know, and and the reality and people, I I think it's I'm not sure why. Maybe I I wonder if you would agree with this, but I, I think people have a tendency to believe like you read the news and i think people are depending on the news source people are much more like switched on that this news has this bias and this news has this bias and old news has different biases and all this but when it comes to documentaries i think people um don't make that connection and they don't realize that people who make documentaries are totally biased more than Always. more than yeah. uh, new news companies and all and all this sort of thing and i think um uh like for me, coming from this, like I tried to make it unbiased, but but you have to be, you know, you got to be naive to think. You, everyone that. has a point of view, you know. Exactly, yeah, yeah exactly. Every, everyone has a point of view, and uh, I, there's some famous quote that's like uh, a point of view. I forget what the quote is, but it's basically a point of view um, is uh, a point of view infers that there's a viewing point, you know. Right. So where where you're Oops. coming from is very important, and um, and my. Where I was coming from was, this is a funny story. You know, this is like tomfoolery. Yeah. This is like really rude offense. Like, yes, there's a lot of offensive jokes, but this is like um, young people, young men in particular, who are really uh, like pranksters, tricksters, and, and trolls, and all this sort of thing. And there's not a whole lot of there's not a whole lot of um, genuine hate coming from these yeah. guys. It's, no, and I really it, do think that. Yeah, it's just it's just um, it's just like kids mucking around basically, and I, and I knew that, and that's so that's my bias. My bias is I think this is a funny story. So, yeah. what, but I knew that. Interesting, who, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. What's interesting to me is that your movie, your documentary, is actually probably more unbiased than the the ones that they make, which are purportedly unbiased. Yes. And, and yeah. for that very reason, it's um, you know it is more likely to be uh, censored. More like where we're discussing right now that mm. Netflix, the Netflixes of the world, would be less likely to screen it. And it seems to me that so uh, certain books, certain documentaries, like we were talking about um, TFW, No GF. Kill All Normies, the, the uh-huh. book comes to mind by yeah. Angela Nagel. And these are not um, these are not right wing movies or books like Angela Nagel is, you know, she I think it was printed by Zero yeah, Press, which is a yeah. very much a left wing press. And but but regardless to kind of like treat this subject matter 
um, even-handedly, you you just run afoul of the current censorious environment, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and and it shows basically, you know, when when you when you know, like, no one could possibly could possibly think that Netflix would take this film. Like, it's it's just. Yeah. Uh, like no one would ever consider, hey, maybe Netflix would want to take this film yeah. <laughs> because it's it's because you know everyone understands the the um, the cultural climate and they go, well, this isn't acceptable in the current culture. You know, the current uh, mainstream culture is just not acceptable. So that's just how it is. So. Like yeah. the only Netflix documentaries that I can think of about right wing stuff are like called like Days of Hate. <laughs> Or yeah. something, <laughs> or like, yeah. like something like, like really like so, polemical. Yeah. Like we're going to show you the worst people on the planet, yeah, and yeah. so like any departure from that is just like you know too too incendiary. I suppose. Yeah. I mean, I like to think things may be changing, but I think realistically they're not or not yet. Um, and especially mm. with a docu, you know, with fiction, with um you know, feature films and TV. Uh, we talk about White Lotus as having some interesting themes. You know, you can kind of slip in stuff. But with a documentary, you're, yeah, I think there's more of a rejection out of hand because it's considered part of news and it's considered biased news or something of that nature. But, yeah, totally. And, like, Netflix, would, if I had done... I would have had a shot at Netflix, uh, theoretically, if it had been... Um, a documentary about how Nazi teenagers organize on 4chan to terrorize uh, yeah. terrorize Hollywood celebrity artists, you know. <laughs> yeah, if you took that angle, you know, people would be like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll let's take a look at this. Maybe we'll put this on Netflix. Somber documentary. With a- you would have yeah. had to have called it like The Protectors or something exactly. and made it about like Shia's like great, yeah. you know, uh, lost cause to exactly. unite us which yeah. they they sadly uh shattered luke turner would perhaps be the main main voice <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um, yeah but to, to back up a step i was gonna ask you sort of talked about how you found this to be a funny story but i am curious kind of how you got into this subject matter how did you discover this story were you on 4chan you can deflect but i'm curious <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no i didn't i didn't really get onto 4chan um i started going on 4chan um, when I started researching the documentary and I, I wanted right. to sort of, I knew, I knew about it and I knew sort of what was going on on there. But, um, I think l- like a lot of people, uh, do you know the internet historian, big YouTuber, the internet historian? No, but I like that kind of thing a lot. So I will look that channel You would like it. It's, it's, um, a really big YouTube channel on this guy, the internet historian. He breaks down these he does a lot of 4chan stories and breaks down and i think his most famous video um was a sort of 10 minute 20 minute breakdown of the story of for, the he will not divide us trolling yeah, and I the mean, capture the flag one of the most significant influences from 4chan probably right? yeah i think yeah. it is yeah. i think it's the most famous trolling story and when that i remember when it went viral in 2017 it started happening shia was doing all these kooky art things and uh, and people were like wow this guy what's he what's he up to he's got the bag on his head i'm not famous anymore he's watching all these movies in the movie theater so i was aware of it and then this this um, 4chan thing happened the, the 4chan trolling thing 
and it was just the most viral, insane story I had ever heard. I couldn't believe it's like a real story. And I know, I know, yeah. Yeah, it's just mind blowing <laughs> what happened. And uh, I learned about, I, I learned all the details, um, the overview from the internet historian, and that was in. I think that his video came out very soon after it all happened in 2017. And I thought for years, wow, this is just an amazing document uh, story. Wouldn't it be amazing if someone made a documentary about it? And um, and uh, as the years went on, I, I thought, you know what? Someone's going to do it. Someone's going to make a documentary on it. It's a viral story. And I had a feeling that it, it was a little bit of a protected project, <laughs> like a protected story, because because it's got an edge to it i think people didn't want yeah. to touch it anyone who was sort of in the mainstream was afraid to touch it because of the uh, because of how edgy it, it was and and controversial and i thought that's not going to last forever someone's going to make a documentary on it and it's going to be what we talked about it's going to be this somber like um moody yeah. like like uh nazis chasing shia labeouf around and how horrible and all this and and the humor would be totally lost like there would be no uh, sense of humor and i thought you know i'll i'm gonna make this and and i also thought the trolls no one had spoken to the trolls well actually some insider information yeah. um there was some people who were interviewed by buzzfeed and, and vice and that sort of thing and they canned the story like the milkman he was interviewed by vice there yeah. was other guys who were interviewed by buzzfeed and they got rid of they sort of didn't publish the stories because it it didn't fit what they, they wanted to. They realized it wasn't going to fit what they wanted. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah so I thought... The they want is... Yeah, oh, go on, sorry. <laughs> all good, all good. So, so I just thought, you know, I, I'll make it and I'll make it funny and that'll be my angle, you know. In try and find the trolls and let them speak for themselves rather than being totally demonized. Like, if you look up anything, all the mainstream that covers it is just like these, these uh, troll demons from hell. Starting to sound yeah, like they, Jordan Peterson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, the version, the basically the Luke Turner version, where you see that picture of the yeah. Nazis on the boat at the end. And it's all, it's all that. Um, mm, so yeah. no, we're glad there's an alternative take out there. I was going to ask about, um, you know, how you kind of track some of these people down to interview because it is a real. It's not. It is the trolls, and I think one thing that you do, one element of the objectivity of it is, is you really see that a lot of the trolls are you know they're they're not like they're not even all like white guys or something like it's a very yeah. unique mix of people who probably came to it for very different reasons but fundamentally all there because it was funny and sort of as Fuentes mm -hmm. says uh, a lot of them are probably politically libertarian or, or possibly even somewhat lefty uh, if anything yeah um, yeah lots of lefties you see that yeah in the documentary that the, the the plaid man what's his name uh the, yeah like plaid a man. There's, a, there's almost like a you know I hate this word, but there's like a sort of hip element to it where you mm -hmm. know, so these people are just like cool and chill people to hang out with. But I was, but so it's them, but it's also, you know, um, like that college kid who went and was on shrooms or whatever. And, yeah. Um, uh, paper, what was his name? Paper boy. Paper boy. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's everyone who was involved except of course, Shia and, and Luke Turner, um, which we'll get into, but I, I'm curious if any of these people were hard to track down or did you just kind yeah. of keep reaching out? Yeah. Yeah, very hard to track down. Um, it was, I got a few people, as you mentioned, there was a few people who were pro Shia LaBeouf, pro the installation. They were there like Paperboy and um, Sean Malia, the, the college kid who was on Shrooms and the, um, who was the other guy, Rainbow Joe. 
and okay. and uh, but mostly mostly the people who were pro didn't want to talk and and so it ended up being like the angle I took was like let's tell the story from the perspective of the trolls that was mostly the people I interviewed but yeah very hard to track them down very hard it took a few months to to track them down and basically what happened was I would just watch all the footage because sometimes people would dox themselves or give an, an account and it might be a burner account but then maybe you could link it to something else and yeah um and there was one guy who I, I was able to find a, a real email address for, for one of the trolls through some information he gave out. And I reached out to him and I, I, got a, I had to get on a phone call with pretty much everyone and say, look, um, you know, because, they asked the, they, because of how the media has treated the whole thing, they were very skeptical. You know, am yeah. I going to come in and just and be like, hey, so cool, you're like a cool troll guy, do an interview with me. And well, then, that's probably how BuzzFeed approached too. That's yeah. kind of lying journalist way. But <laughs> yeah. Exactly, yeah, yeah. And so they were worried um, that I would come in and then totally manipulate the interview and make them seem like some evil person, some hateful Nazi. And so what happened was I eventually got one guy on the phone and I found out through him that a lot of these guys had um, had created like uh, Discord channels where they'd talk to each other because mm. they were like, "Where the trolls," you know, and they would talk and communicate, and and so they had a lot of contacts with each other. And so when I convinced one of the trolls to yeah. to get on board, they were able to vouch for me, and then introduce me to some other people and reach out. And there was there was a couple people that I I wanted to get some trolls that. Even some trolls that I had got in contact with and spoke with, and they were like, you know what, I'm, I don't trust you. I'm not going to be in it. And um, but most of them, most of them, I was able to, you know, win their trust enough to do an to do an interview. And uh, yeah, and I was able to get a, a good number of them, especially the the well known characters who were there, like Brittany Venti and Sam Hyde, yeah. and, and um, Paperboy Prince and Plaid Man. Yeah. So. No, it's great. And, you know, you obviously do come at it from the perspective that, like, this is fundamentally funny. But also, I think some of the point of view that comes across in the documentary is because these are the people who would actually talk to you was largely the trolls more so than mm. others. Um, you know, I, I like I was I was kind of saying to Dan when we were talking about this, like, I bet like you did. I think you even say this in the documentary. You did reach out. Obviously, Shia LaBeouf's probably busy or whatever. But like you reached out to Luke Turner's team, I believe, too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and he, like, refused. I mean, I've, he could have probably given a different take, but... Yeah, know. I was yeah. hoping for that different... I was hoping for... When I first started, because I, I knew these these two groups were living in totally different realities. You know, there was the one yeah. reality of the, the edgy college kids who, you know, if if you spend a considerable, considerable amount of time on 4chan, your humor just gets so insanely dark that yeah and and if it's incubated in that environment people outside of that um culture they don't they cannot relate they cannot understand yeah. why you would think those things are funny or or um why you would say such edgy things so they're incubated in this sort of really offensive humor this really dark nihilistic edgy corner of the internet and so they come up from that perspective with this really uh rude humor and then the other people have been incubated in in a world uh, that's dictated by the media that tells them that there's you know the greatest threat to America is Nazis, and then they go oh here's the Nazis we're so um, we've been so worried about, and so th I I thought it would be interesting to 
have sort of two two realities of the people involved uh, juxtaposed against one another throughout the film. So you could see um, one reality where it's these kids having fun, and the other reality where it's where it's these artists who who felt like they were under attack by literal Nazis. Um, but yeah, they didn't want to talk. He, actually, Shia Shia's team. I got very close to getting an interview with Shia. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, really? I was, well, yeah. That's, yeah. That's interesting. So I was emailing back and forth with his management team. When I first reached, I reached out initially at the beginning of the project, and they said no, thank you. Um, Shia's not doing press. You know, he's been involved in a lot of controversies, as you probably know. Mm. But yeah. after the conversion, after the, because I was editing, I was still editing the film when the uh, his his um, famous his viral right. conversion story came out to yeah, Catholicism, right. and I thought, oh, this is so interesting. Let me no, reach out again. Yeah. Mm. So I, I I reached out again. I said, hey, um, I know I to his management team. Hey, there's I noticed the convert. has had this conversion. Um, I just want you, want to let you know one of the trolls in the story had a similar conversion and maybe he'd be interested. And they said, oh, yeah, that's really cool. We'll talk to Shia LaBeouf about it. And uh, he might be interested in doing an interview. And I was like, wow, this is cool. I could be going to L.A. and interviewing Shia LaBeouf. And then, um, and then they're like, he's going to want to see some of the film. <laughs> he's going to want to yeah. see some of the film. And I said, oh, okay. So I sent a few clips you know, and I didn't want it to be like a, um, I, I didn't want it to be like a bait and switch. So I sent some of the introduction, some of the setup, and I sent some of the trolling as well. So they knew, you know, um, it, there is a bit of poking fun at Shia. And then they came back and they're like, yeah, he, it's okay. Thanks for the. <laughs> he <doesn't laughs> <work>. <laughs> Sounds like they were congenial, though, which is good. They were, yeah, yeah they I mean, were really it's cool. cool. To hear. And I, I mean, I think. We want to talk at the end, maybe a little later, because it's a good, sure. almost final note. But um, you know that that thing with him converting uh, it is this amazing. You know, I know people who make other people I've known who make documentaries always say like with a documentary, sometimes you have to like let the ending come to you, like as it happens. Like very often, documentaries end in this way where it's like, oh, two years later, and look, uh, mm-hmm. and yeah, what an incredible ending to this whole thing that event was. Yeah. We'll, maybe we'll talk more about that. Um, more about yeah. that later but um, sure yeah well, one of the things i'm thinking like it would be really difficult like, i understand his saying no shia but it would be really difficult to do a documentary about this that doesn't portray things as they actually happened which do you know involve shia having meltdowns yeah yeah so you know it's just simply like i get that he would maybe not want to talk about that but uh, it wouldn't be a an you know an, an accurate documentary if you yeah. shied away from those subjects. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, yeah, no, it's gonna say like I actually don't think in the especially with the ending as it is that Shy necessarily comes across as that bad. I mean, I think yeah. it's, there's this kind of element where which you highlight where it's like almost as if you know it was kind of more and i think uh either nick or sam says this like it was more luke's idea that shy and shy was just kind of the face of it so he seems yeah. like he's a bit of a, a victim of it in his own way too and and then with that exactly, I, mean, I don't yeah. i didn't think less of shy about after seeing this in fact maybe i thought more yeah yeah and and i didn't want it to be that was the impression that i got from the research from talking to different people and and who knows what the exact truth is it's hard to know um uh, you know, 
some of these, like especially, I'm sure we'll get into the Sam Hyde claims, but yes. you know how much of that is true and and all this. But definitely, the impression from everyone was um, Shia was sort of being taken for a ride, and and these these um, relatively unknown, well, definitely unknown artists up until this collaboration with Shia. Um, you know, the sentiment from people was they were using him for the fame. You know, he's yeah. got this this Transformers fame. And yeah. uh, they they wanted to have, you know, they had all these quirky ideas from from uh, their art school, art school uh, professors or whatever. And they yeah. have this weird art style that they invented, metamodernism and whatever. Right. And, and they've got uh, now a celebrity to sort of blow yeah. up their, their cool art style. Exactly. And there's no doubt that like Shia was really into the message and that um, yeah. I know that he wanted to do performance art. So he he found his way to them. It wasn't like they kidnapped him and brainwashed him. But yeah. but no, there's definitely that. I, and frankly, another element that is just funny when you think about it in retrospect element, where it's this Luke Turner, which you almost portray almost as this evil genius in some of the animations behind <laughs> things. Um, I realized, you know, there may be some people listening to this who are not as familiar with the the whole affair that he will not divide us thing. So maybe, yeah. I mean, I can do that. I, don't, I won't make you rehash. We can, I can kind of offer my own explanation. Um, I mean, also a side note to that. Uh, once again, it's like this, even not only within mainstream circles, but even with the, on like frog Twitter and, and circles like that, this should be more talked about. I feel it, it, it is kind of bracketed in, in history a little bit where it's like, Oh yeah, that was 2016. It's kind of overshadowed perhaps by like the actual Trump election, but yeah, but, yeah man, it's really relevant. Um, so I will, again, applaud your documentary for, for capturing it really well, but, but yes, to back up, um, we, we're dropping this name, Luke Turner, as you kind of just explained, he is a, he's Australian too, right? Or maybe, he's English. Yeah. He's English. Um, but a performance artist and a very sort of liberal performance artist who, uh, is into this concept of meta, Modernism, so it's all very like, yeah, basically pretentious performance art. That he will not divide us installations. Um, spearheaded or um, Shia LaBeouf was the face of them. Uh, initially, it was at an art museum in Brooklyn, I believe. Um, Queens, yeah, the, the Queens, um, the Museum of the Moving Image, uh, and basically they were uh, shortly after Trump's inauguration, they had a live stream going. Uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, um, in which Shia LaBeouf and others uh, would stand in front of it and just stand in front of it and just repeat, "He will not divide us. He will not divide us," over and over again. Um, again, not to rehash this for anyone who knows the story. I hope it's not too boring, but I just feel like there are some people who don't know. Yeah. Uh, what happened was, Four Chan stepped in, realized what an incredible uh, opportunity, opportunity. Was IRL trolling, and began to show up on the scene. Um, You'll have to see the documentary because that is really just the tip of the iceberg into the depths that this narrative goes. Um, things go insane. It involves Shia LaBeouf getting arrested multiple times, later having a mental breakdown. It involves the installation moving all across the country and always, and all across the world, in fact, and always coming to the same kind of chaotic uh, ending. Um, it's all captured in dividers. But I just wanted to add that little uh, explanation, I guess. Yeah, and I think the the element of the story that most people would probably know is the capture the flag. You know, after 4chan stepped in and started um, trolling the hell out of Shire and uh, and and the people there, they wanted to move the project and, and create recreate the project in a format that couldn't 
be fucked with essentially and so they set up a flag instead of chanting in front of a live stream camera they set up a flag in a hidden location to uh to prevent it from being trolled and the viral story was all these guys on 4chan doing this coordinated investigation csi level cia nsa edward snowden level investigation (laughs) into you know using weather patterns and stars and frog croaking noises and and all this to track down where this flag was what hidden location it was so they could get on there and and uh and steal it so that's just the most incredible part of the story Absolutely, yeah, the most entertaining. Yeah, go truly on. Truly amazing. Uh, like I think Brittany Venti described it as, as you know, many on our side do weaponized autism, <laughs> and it's it's amazing the kind of like if you have people who are dedicated enough and have enough time on their hands, you could piece those things together, and uh, it's yeah, it's an accomplishment, frankly. It was oh, like yeah. two or three days that it took them. It took less than 48 hours. I think it was like 32 hours. My God. Yeah, no, it's yeah. crazy. They even factored in. This is, funnily, they, they factored in like a, a picture they'd found of uh, uh, yeah. uh, that Shia LaBeouf had taken with a fan at a nearby diner. and uh, Yeah. And then someone was, it involved someone driving around and honking. and <laughs> People try to hear it on the live stream. Again, people are just going to have to see this uh, to believe it. But, um, but yeah, maybe we could get in a little bit of the Sam Hyde narrative in the documentary sam hyde um was one of the attendees i guess towards the end of the installation's time at the museum of the moving image very memorable i guess memetic event this would have been you know early 2017 after the inauguration after million dollar extreme was canceled uh and sam hyde was a bit of a folk hero and he shows up on the scene same day as fuentes and they met and it's this whole um this whole thing that's captured captured on the dock but sam hyde offers uh, a, a broader um, explanation of his involvement uh, in the whole affair on the documentary, which um, is a little ambiguous as to if it's true or not, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Sam, uh, I went to interview Sam Hyde for the documentary because he went down and the impression was basically the trolling was just getting crazy and it was like one-upsmanship. So the trolling started with a little bit of you know, saying the wrong chant, you know, going up to all the people chanting, saying the wrong thing, sort of being annoying or shouting Pepe or some meme. Um, (laughs) And and it got eventually it was like on people would go go down there and do a troll, uh, an IRL troll, and then it would get posted on 4chan and everyone would be like, wow, this guy's crazy. He's doing this. And and people in the area, 4chan users in the area trolls, they were like, well, I can do better than that. I can, you know, I can go down and, and people were coming. So there was people who dro- drove like three hours from neighboring cities just to go down there and add their troll to the mix. And they eventually they were going up to Shia LaBeouf and saying things like Hitler did nothing wrong yeah. and doing all this crazy stuff. And and um, because Sam Hyde was such a big a big um, character on 4chan at the time, everyone loved him on 4chan. They said, we got to meme this into existence, meme this into reality. Let's everyone DM Sam Hyde, everyone tweet at Sam Hyde and say, come down to the live stream. Um, and he, so he went down and, and, you know, there was a lot of chaos. There was some Antifa people who went there to try and, um, 
get in his face and there was sort of fights broke out, not directly with Sam, but it was, you know, it was just a wild time. So I went to interview Sam Hyde about that. And when I um, when I interviewed him, he said, yeah, I didn't go down there spontaneously because of because of 4chan. I went down there because Sam, ha- uh, sorry, Shire's artist friends yeah. had asked me secretly to go down and stir up chaos and his his um um his claim is that they were uh shia's friends without him knowing were trying to encourage the trolling because it was so controversial it was getting media attention so they they thought oh let's secretly this is sam hyde's claim and again we're not sure if this is true sam hyde's a sam hyde's a this is a a tricky guy yeah yeah (laughs) so he says he was paid by shia's friends artist friends to go down there and cause a scene in order to drum up media attention around the project and uh, that when I when he told me that I just was it, to, it totally threw the whole interview. I, I was totally taken off guard. Um, I had no well, idea you, you he was going to say him at that. The time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I believed him at the time, and and yeah. and sort of the the spoiler is because he had a whole bunch of claims. He said he was going to um, he was going to uh, the Venice Film Festival with with uh, Luke Turner, yeah, Shia's yeah. Art, yeah, Shia's artist friend Luke Turner, and he knew him from from the art circles. And it's plausible because Sam Hyde is a, a RISD uh, grad. Yeah. He's a RISD grad, yeah. So he's in this art, this weird arts circles, and he had there was a lot of weird information that he had that even didn't get included in the documentary. Just the way that he was telling about it these weird details that he had that that aren't really details that you would bring up if you were making something up and the timelines of his claims line up like the i because i i spent so much time trying to a lot of what he claims is corroborated you can corroborate it with other evidence but it's like the going to the film festival that is perf that perfectly lines up with the timeline of Shire, that that film festival happens right after Shire meets Luke for the first time, because you can see, he, you can see, find these stories from interviews online of Shire talking about how he he met Luke, and it was right after that meeting he was filming that that tank movie World War Two movie Fury in England, and he met with Luke, and then right after that meeting was the the film festival, and so you know this is when so Sam Hyde's talking about how Luke is just getting connected with with yeah. Shia. So this it all sort of lines up but but I couldn't find any like concrete and then he comes out after the movie uh the first release of the movie and he comes out and says um yeah the whatever I don't know if you saw this clip because it wasn't in the first version it's in the current yeah, you, version you, of the you film. Yeah, you showed it to me. Yeah, you sent me the link but yeah. Yeah, so he says yeah the story he was on some live stream and someone asked him a question, and he says, the story I told in that documentary, if you saw that documentary, the story I told in that documentary is fake. Oh, yeah, and I so I don't know what he's referring to, because there's a lot, obviously he did go down there, that's evidence of that, and he there were certain things that he claimed that were backed up by evidence. You know, the whole Marina, ripping off Marina Abramovich is something that th- those artists have been criticized for by many different people. And, and so I don't know, like... It, it, He's, he's a tricky guy. Back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's just his type of humor. You know, you never know 
what exactly is true, what exactly is sincere. Uh, obviously, yeah. some element of it is a troll. <laughs> yeah, so Sam, yeah. Sam Hyde brings the trolling even to your project, but yeah. Uh, but hey, I mean, I think that although I don't think he, I certainly don't think that he was actually paid by Luke and the others. I don't mm. believe that, but there there is a true there's like a spiritual truth to it that and, and and fuentes and others kind of talk about this in the documentary that in fact the trolling sam's and other people's uh in in many regards I, I i mean this sincerely i don't mean it ironically like i actually do think added uh, a much greater element of art to the project um yeah obviously from the perspective that you know 4chan was kind of funny in what it was doing which which is not a perspective luke turner and others would share uh but nevertheless you know if, if your goal is to say he will not divide us um and you're that's so much more interesting if you're saying it over a den of people uh who who, who have other views you know um it, it just it, it it did turn the whole thing into um a much more interesting because it is performance art and totally, what Fortune yeah. was doing is, is a trolling is a kind of performance art even yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think there it's, is that truth to it. Yeah. That is very interesting that you say that because their whole brand, my understanding of, and I didn't go to some fancy art university in London to to, to get taught about the whole uh, philosophy behind their art, but my understanding of it is, and, if, and, and especially you can see this if you look at the previous examples of their work, is that the the performance art is kind of like you set up a scenario where the art is sp- spontaneously created in uh, with the interaction between the performance artist and um, either the art piece or or random people like the public. And so, for example, the um, he did that one, the "I'm Not Famous Anymore" one, where he sat in a room. Oh yeah. And and people could come in and interact with him. There was it it looks to me to be a total rip-off of Marina Abramovich's uh, The Artist is Present. Uh, a rip-off of the uh, Rhythm Zero and Artist is Present combined. Um, but the So they set up the scenario, right? Shy is sitting in a room at, you know, at a table and chairs, and then people can come in and talk to him and say something. And the art itself is the interaction. That's what the art is. Yeah. Um, and so all the work that they've done, so so when they set up the live stream camera, they say, you know, um, we're going to have a live stream and chant, he will not divide us and encourage people, you know, um, to spontaneously participate in the creation of the art. And then the people come up, you know, random people come and they chant, he will not divide us. And the way that they interact in this spontaneous way is creating art, you know. And then the yeah. trolls come up and they want to participate. And, and I really think that this was a betrayal of their own philosophy because uh, as artists, they should have, if they were really dedicated to that philosophy of art, they should have accepted the trolling as part of the art. You know, this we're creating this scenario Absolutely. and whatever happens, whatever is spontaneously generated is itself the performance art. And that, that that's whatever may come, you know? And, and Absolutely. so the trolling happened and I just think it got, I think that, I think at the beginning and you can see through some of these tweets, I think they've been deleted now, but you can see screenshot, old screenshots of tweets from, from Luke Turner where he's really, um, it seems like based on the tweets during the early trolling when it wasn't so intense, he was kind of like, oh, this is cool. This is part of the art creation. And then as it got more intense and more political, 
I think they changed their tune and they said, you know, this is being hijacked. And so then they started putting their own ideology into it and said, no, 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 this is where we're re like, um, we're re, uh, framing the whole thing outside of our original philosophy into, you know, this political agenda and, and this political fight. So, yeah. So they betrayed their own philosophy in that way. That being said, I think the trolls really did save this project to the extent like it had an artistic aim or an artistic goal to begin with. Um, you know, they they helped it achieve that goal because without them, mm. it's just the repetition of this kind of saccharine statement over and over. Mm. And they brought this kind of drama, this kind of uh, contention and um, that actually, you know, elevated it to something that we're talking about right now. Like if if, yeah. they, if there were never any trolling, there would be no dividers documentary. We wouldn't be talking about this right now. Exactly. It would just be yeah. another kind of like performance art thing that, that you know, literally was, no one cares. No one cares about. Yeah, it yeah, wasn't yeah. very inspired. It didn't really <laughs> do anything. And um, yeah, I mean, like if anything, like I think the artists here are like the the mustache trolling dude. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. uh, you know, milk or, man. yeah, the milkman. The milkman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think, and and some of the trolls have speculated, like some of the trolls are like deep, they're like deep diving into the whole conspiracy and they think that Luke Turner is pretending to be upset about how the whole thing went. And because, you know, here's here's an interesting thing. When they moved it and turned it into a flag, what does that what does that sort of subconsciously trigger in you? Yeah, There's a flag. Exactly. You want to go and screw this whole thing up and now yeah. they go, No, 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 we're gonna hide a flag. And people people some of these trolls have suggested that you're hiding a flag somewhere, it's subconsciously triggering like memories of like the capture the flag, that game yeah, that exactly. we all played in high school. And so some people think this was a deliberate attempt to encourage a um, sort of a viral yeah. story or a viral hunt for a, a, a capture of the flag again. And if that is true, I think that's really genius. If they were yeah. self-consciously doing that, that's genius well, of, maybe of they Luke did, and they Nasha. Too, at that rate. <laughs> yeah, maybe they did. I mean, yeah. I don't know anything about Luke Turner beside what is in your documentary, but if he is a real artist, I don't see how he can sit back and think anything other than this was a success beyond my wildest imagination that uh, like everything that happened was, you know, that was added to the art that that made the art. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. Like he, if I, I would imagine he must be pleased by this, <laughs> as, as you uh, suggested in the documentary, perhaps. Yeah, well, I guess we'll never know. You know, he didn't want to be interviewed. Um, so I guess we'll never know. Yeah. Shadowy mastermind. Yeah. <laughs> well, as we kind of talked about earlier, you know, Fuentes hi- highlights this. And I don't think it's just a Fuentes thing. I think others would as well. That This was really the, the climax, the apogee of the meme war. Um, again, it kind of, I think it gets a little overshadowed by Trump's actual election, which is also sort mm. of credited to 4chan in all these ways. Um, but... I do think it's the, but more so than the election, which was just sort of influenced by certain, you know, memes and whatnot. A uh, few other things could really show just what 
4chan was capable of at the time. I think Fuentes even compares it to Arab Spring in a way. Um, yeah. With, with justification, you know, it's, it's these things that the ways the culture and, and politically things could be affected just by people behind the computer. I mean, it's an amazing uh, showcase of that. Um, what's sort of, in my opinion, sad um, is that this was a different era. Um, mm-hmm. I think Fuentes even describes it as like, this was before the empire, you know, they, yeah. they cracked down pretty hard. They cracked down on 4chan, but not just 4chan, also Twitter, almost any social media um, platform. And also just what you can kind of say in public. Um, nothing, li- I think it's fair to say that pretty much nothing like this, well, mm, I don't want to be too pessimistic, but nothing like this would really happen now. There'd be some, I mean, nah, I mean even as I'm saying this now, it's like, I suppose it still could, but they've made it a lot harder uh here i'm yeah. using the they thing and not by you know like you were talking about earlier with talking about they made a documentary uh who is they uh you know the powers that be shall we say yeah um yeah. but yeah i mean if you could i mean i know you know you're just a documentarian you you capture this stuff but if, i don't know if you want to comment on kind of how this internet and the culture this internet culture and you know the effects it can and can't have how that's changed over the past five or six yeah. years through covid etc yeah yeah, it's really interesting to think because because I'm what I'm fascinated about is the spirit of like this the spirit in which compelled the you know propelled this trolling you know what was sort of the mindset and and the and the um, impulse to go ahead and and just ruin this art project and they talk a little bit about that. Um, I tried to get into a little bit of the mindset of 4chan for people yeah. who, who aren't familiar with it. And one of the trolls, Plaidman, he said it really well. It was I, I think he put it perfectly. He came up with this term, um, transgressive nihilism. And, yeah. and, uh, and I think that's sort of what propelled, that's what propelled the Trump election and that's what yes. propelled this project. Because I think it, it's... It seems to be like something to pay attention to when young people um, are totally um, dis, uh, disenfranchised with the whole system. You know, I, th- I feel like that was the same spirit behind the let's meme Trump into the White House, you know, yeah, because no, absolutely. Yeah. I think a lot of the guys on 4chan came to really like Trump um, in a genuine sense but there was, from my understanding, there was this, let's meme Trump into the presidency. He's a meme. He's a, he's like a uh, bombastic sort of, uh, you know, this uh, clown type. He's almost like a... Yeah, he's a meme, yeah. You know, and so if you have, um, I think the spirit was like, okay, we are, to- we are in... Um, we're totally disenfranchised with the political system. You know, we see the, the political system as a joke. And so what would be fu- funny, if you totally don't take it seriously, uh, uh, get a clown into the White House. You know, we want, we want to have, it's like a protest vote. You know, we don't take any of this seriously. So we want Trump to be in that. And I think there, there was, when, when Kanye West ran for president in 2020, that was the same thing. I remember seeing celebrities coming out and being saying, if you think it's funny to vote for Kanye West for president, you better not vote for him in 2020 because, you know, you know, it's like the celebrity class is trying to to keep the sanctity of the institution of the election alive. And these these trolls are just totally don't 
uh, th- they totally disrespect and don't have any sort yeah. of uh, treat it with any sort of sanctity. And I think it's the same with the He Will Not Divide Us because, you know, there's this somber art project where you say this like almost like a prayer. It, it kind of had these like religious elements and people were taking it very seriously and this is like a sacred thing. And it was the same energy. You know, we we uh, totally don't take hold. Nothing is sacred. You know, yeah. we're going to go and ruin it. And I think, um, I think, you know, people have talked about fortune sort of being done after this and people... You go on 4chan and and people are just saying, like, every post, people are just commenting, fed, 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 fed. It's all like shills and feds um, on 4chan now. But but I think the spirit has moved sort of to to manifest itself in, in different areas. Like, I think the Wall Street bets yeah. is the same thing with Definitely. the, uh, yeah. the, the uh, GameStop short squeeze. And people are saying... Why don't you take you don't you don't respect the sanctity of the institution of the stock market? You're just yeah. you're just buying this stock, this worthless stock, because you think it's funny that everything's going to crash to the ground. Don't you know what you're doing? You're destroying the system, and it's this transgressive nihilism. Yeah, that's what we want to do. People were people were putting their savings, their life savings, into this stock that they knew they would lose it all because because they were totally disenfranchised. And so that I think is. After you know, after Fortune sort of um, had its moment in the sun, and and the the as Nick Fuentes would say, the, the the empires come in and shut it all down. You know, it just moved. You know, that's that yeah. feeling, that spirit of um, totally disenfranchisement with the system is is still out there, and I think it's going to happen again. You know, the people were worried that the whole GameStop short squeeze would destroy the <laughs> destroy the stock market. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think there's a few examples that, that that that's coming. You know, it's I think that need I think people need to pay attention to to that because the more that you have young people who don't want to grow up and graduate and be part of this system, but they're instead totally um, cynical about about everything and they want to tear it down. It's kind of like what you said with the Arab Arab Spring. You know, you you allow the the um, the format for these people to co- coordinate, to to chat, to talk with each other, and to be like, "Oh, you're disenfranchised. Me too. But you know, let's uh, let's tear it all down." Yeah, I think that's a really good way of putting it. Transgressive nihilism is definitely a good term for it. Um, in that book, Dan mentioned earlier, "Kill All Normies" by Angela Nagel. That's definitely how she kind of understood 4chan as well. And I mean, it gets bracketed in this right wing, left wing way, but really. More fundamentally, it is about that transgressive nihilistic energy that um, I think righteous and sympathetic in many cases, um, disillusionment with the system and the desire to strike against it, but strike against it with humor, which is in, for the most part, I mean, humor. And then in the case of Wall Street bets, like, yeah, obviously there's some some economic shenanigans, but like it's not these aren't terrorists, you know, but they, they, yeah. they're nevertheless spoken of, uh, of as if they are. Um, yeah, I mean, I really think I, I could go down rabbit hole with uh, I could go down a, an angle of talking about this. Like, I mean, I never thought I'd look back on 2016, 2017 as an innocent era. But yeah. compared to the stuff during the <laughs> pandemic and now, it I mean, at least on the 4chan front, it almost was. I mean, there was a lot of humor to it. I think the transgressive nihilism is, there's a darkness to that because it's a darkness that a lot of people feel. Um, but, you know, this is, uh, as we said at the get-go, this was a, this was mostly just a funny story. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I think, you know, it's, it's, I, I agree with you. It's funny to think of 
of 2016, 2017 is a more innocent time. And I think more people are starting to, you know, it's the, what you say, it's jokes, it's humor, but but you hear all these stories of, you know, very aggressive governments, very authoritarian governments. One of the things that they really like to censor is humor because you can't make, yeah. you, you have to control the, san- if, if you can't control the sanctity of the system and everyone treats it as a joke, that's like the beginning of the end for the system. And so you have like, uh, who's the president of China? He banned Winnie the Pooh because people were saying he looked like oh, yeah. Winnie the Pooh. So he was making all the people yeah. making Winnie the Pooh memes about him. So they banned that. You know, you can't have humor because humor is the beginning of, you know, you, you laugh at something that doesn't make sense. You laugh at something that's that you don't respect, that you don't take seriously. And you can't have people laughing at the system if if uh, you're in charge, you know, because people got to take it seriously. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, laughing is the one thing where, like, even if you have more power, even if you're like, I can beat you up or whatever, if the person is laughing at you, in some sense, he's, he's won. In some yeah. sense, you can't get take that back. You can't take back that laugh. So yeah. that, it's very dangerous. And and simply the act of not taking something seriously is um is is very dangerous, I think, to the powers that be. Um, yeah. and partially because they have a hard time reacting to it without looking insane. It's like, why are you giving this much blowback to someone who's just kind of laughing at you? Um you, you know, like I, I do think it genuinely undermines them, but it's hard. You know, at the end of the day, you can say it's all for the all for the lulls, man. You know, it's because you kind of a conven- as people always did with Pepe memes and whatnot. Yeah, um, there's always that convenient uh, thing you can fall back on. So it's a very yeah. powerful weapon. I do think it's been significantly degraded because I think powers that be sort of caught on um, to how it can be deflected and how we have to you know pretend that this is all hate speech and like cracked down it's been cracked down upon no doubt but as you said i do think it's kind of found different avenues yeah yeah and i think i don't this this is kind of a cliche quote that maybe has been beaten to death but it's worth mentioning i think the the uh, i think it's a george orwell quote and he said inside every joke is a tiny revolution and Absolutely. i think that's yeah. so true yeah on that oh, note, or you want to go on dance? Sorry. Oh, I was going to say, what do you think about that? They've been characterized, the quote-unquote trolls, as transgressive nihilists. But what do you think about the idea that they are um, truth-tellers? And so you, you have this, you know, uh, he will not divide us thing, which is just like, regardless of like where you stand on the political spectrum, it's just like some saccharine kind of silly thing. And so they, you know, kind of, re- and I, I think something that's interesting among the, the trolls, you know, if that's what we're going to call them, they, um, they're a varied group. They're not all, mm. you know, one, you know, they're, they're not all MAGA types. They're, they're not all, um, you know, uh, internet autists or whatever. Yeah. They, you know, they're not all in one political camp. And um, they, nevertheless, are united by pointing out that this is nonsense <laughs> and this, uh, yeah. this thing that they're doing is silly. And to me, like when I, I, I see that, I don't really see nihilism so much as a desire to kind of like speak truth to power. Yeah. And um, yeah, and kind of like almost in some ways the opposite of nihilism, 
to say mm-hmm. like things, it, it, the truth does matter and this is nonsense. And we gotta, we have to, you know, alert you to the fact that this is very silly. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good point. I, I don't think all of these guys are totally nihilistic, but I think you do get a a good sense of the nihilism, the nihilist element to it from the Alex Lee Moyer film I th- we mentioned before, oh, uh, sure. yeah. before the show, TFW. TFW, no GF. That I think is much more focused on the transgressive, well, the, at least the nihilistic element. Um, and you know, I, I think that the TFW, no GF, I think brings a good point that maybe we should have sympathies for some of these guys, because like, what do you do? I don't, I don't know, like. I don't know about you guys, but I didn't. I didn't come from a rich family, and I didn't go to a good school. And and um, these guys graduating high school. What do you tell someone? Yeah. You know, an eighteen-year-old kid who's graduating high school. They look at the debt. They look at the the um, the uh, agenda, the political agendas that are becoming more and more um, tight, uh, tightening on what you can say and what can, you can do, and and the uh, the social and cultural battles in the United States that are spilling out into the, you know, different riots, different demonstrations, Black Lives Matter, the January 6th, you're seeing all, you're seeing things starting to crumble and and you hear someone say, hey, you know, don't worry, just go, go into the nearest whatever company, give them a good firm handshake and, and, you know, show up on time and you're going to have a job and you're going to be able to have a family and you're going to be able to have a house. That, that sort of American dream, uh, uh, facade is kind of crumbling and people, a a lot of these guys, especially when you go on 4chan, because 4chan is very much, um, showing unfiltered, like the horrors of the world. And you have, you have um, like what's mentioned in the documentary, the the uh, largest the largest killers of of uh, Americans is now overdo- drug overdoses and suicide, and and you look at yeah, that and then you yeah. and you go, I'm never going to be able to own a home. You know the the there's all with you, you know if you're following the culture war stuff, relationships between the sexes are becoming are becoming more and more like. Um, uh, yeah. strained, you know, and, so, you yeah. know, you may not have a fa- If you don't have a good job, you may not be able to find a wife and get married. And, you like, you're, the reality starts to set in pretty early. And if and if all you have is you're, you're young and all you have is potential ahead of you, you've got your whole life ahead of you and, and you're looking at your options, it's looking pretty bleak. So what, you know, what do you do with that? You know, that you've got all this energy... Um, and and uh, I think it just impulsively comes out as this, you know, trying to speak truth to power, like you said, Dan. I think that's part of it. Like, hey, this is this is all broken. But th- I think there's some sort of impulse to humor that when things are, so, it's like that whole thing. When things are so bad, all you can do is laugh. I think there's something of of that element coming into it. Absolutely, yeah. No, I mean like the political situation in America today for um you know young men is uh you know as we've discussed on this pod many times a very uh difficult roads ahead shall we say yeah and um yeah so like that type of situation breeds um you know frankly like a lot of creativity a lot of humor a lot of like the the very fact that like 
our writing and you know other stuff has been kind of like uh shunted aside to the shadows mm-hmm. well like that's actually like better for the art in some respects because you like collaborate with each other you like are not constrained by market incentives and so like i mean i'm sure you you would in part agree that some of like the the best culture of the past 10 years came out of from you know weirdos on the internet (laughs) yeah yeah i totally agree and 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 you hear like a lot of these people with like really interesting takes really weird uh on you like anything anything unusual anything out of the box anything um like unique and interesting so much of it has just been like taken out of the mainstream like off of facebook and and twitter and instagram where where you would find this stuff and i find like you go on um you go on these platforms and you just see the same stuff over and over and over and over it's like the same it's the same content just repackaged over and over and to get anything you have to go go outside to get any sort of weird unusual takes um yeah yeah so but, I but totally also agree. the memorable takes right yeah like, those are the ones that people like i'm just thinking right now like who remembers like any advertising slogan from the past four or five years but everyone knows yes chad everyone knows uh you know the virgin versus the chad yeah everyone knows like all of these memes everyone knows pepe and apu so, yes. Like, oh, the N- yeah. that's such a good point. And the NPC one, I think, is a great example. NPC, Remember that NPC? Sure. And they started. Uh, what What did they do? They would. It, it was uh, the journalists. They would just post like NPC, uh, an image of the NPC meme under all these journalists on yeah, Twitter, yeah. and they were like, "We're being harassed and dehumanized." Yeah, the angry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. people were getting banned for for making fun of the journalists for being NPCs. <laughs> so you're so right, you know, all the funny stuff, all the all the anything that goes against the mainstream, and and I think it's a good point to mention, like th- these guys, like the the people who are totally disenfranchised with, with the system on 4chan, they're like, some of them are like, we need to, they're like tankies, you know, some of the trolls I interviewed were tankies, yeah. these hardcore communists who said, you know, we need a system, the solution is communism. Some people say the solution is MAGA or the solution is like a, uh, a Christian monarchy or, you know, all these out there, yeah. very extreme, um, very extreme changes that are needed. But but the thing that unites them all is is their disillusionment and hatred of of the current system. So it's interesting yeah. the diversity the diversity amongst the dissidents. Oh no, sincerely, I mean it's you see that in your documentary and in others that there is a real diversity of opinion. And again, they're not even all white guys. It's not totally. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, to hit one last current events talk point talking point, uh, you know, Ricky Vaughn. Uh, Doug, you know, that's we'll call him as, as Bronze Age Perfect does, we'll call him by his uh Twitter name. You know, Ricky Vaughn this week in America indicted uh for making a meme, basically, you know, facing up to 10 yeah. years. You heard about this story, right? Yeah, uh, I was convicted. thinking about that. Convicted, yeah. sorry, yes, yeah. Um, yeah, no, so I, I, I guess that kind of ties into what we've already talked about, but there is there is this this crackdown against it, but but. Um, as bad as that is, I, I guess I can use this talking point to express my own optimism. I don't think a lot of people are going to go in for this. I think that there is a lot of power that the sort of mainstream media, shall we say, has with regard to issues like this. But I don't know. Person on the street. We saw this a little bit with like the uh, Rittenhouse case in a different way. 
I think yeah. that more just run of the mill, you know, definitely normie conservatives, but also just even even just un, you know open minded, understanding, reasonable liberals out there will, will realize that this is draconian, um, and hopefully realize what it represents. Also, um, I don't. I'm not the Dan. You may know more about this than me, but this what's it called? Not the my friend Robert Starr called it like the Patriot Act. Of the internet, oh, the uh, Restrict the, Act. The Restrict Act. I don't know if you know about this, but there's no. this whole thing about TikTok in the United States right now potentially getting banned. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. like TikTok, but there's this notion that they um, maybe are slipping some other insidious things into it, in with that legislation that will give the government um, sort of more control over social media. Or Dan, you may know more a little bit about it than me. You know, I haven't read a ton about it yet, and I know there's a lot of people in our spaces talking about it. But from what I can gather, yeah, it's exactly that. It's a a bill that is supposedly in response to TikTok's, you know, possible, uh, you know, uh, nefarious, uh, you know, aim or agenda of the Chinese government. But they've slipped in uh, language that would give the government um, the ability to, um, you know, a broad censorship abilities uh, in connection with the internet. So uh, like a a good way to think of it would be um, Elon bought Twitter. Well, if the government passes this, it doesn't matter because they can just step in and tell Twitter what to do. Yeah. Definitely some, some bad stuff like this sort of, um, in the ether, as it were, uh, with regard to the way things are being cracked down upon. And, of course, yeah. Trump himself was, was indicted this week. So, you know, glasses em- glass is half empty, glass is half full. I think the way that some people um, could look at it would be, uh, you know, obviously, obviously it's bad that there's this crackdown. But at the same time, it proves that there is still a lot of power in memes, uh, in making memes, mm. in being, you know, the former comedian-in-chief, as Trump is. Um, you know, th- there is still there is still a lot of fear of that, I think, coming coming from, um, you know, the establishment or whatever you want to call it. So, yeah, I think it's Go on. Yeah. it's it's um, I agree with you. I think most people aren't totally clued in. I think most people aren't that political. I don't know about America. America is a very volatile, politically volatile <laughs> place. But I, I feel like you talk to most yeah. people on the street and they're reasonable. My concern is that. It doesn't, like, it doesn't really seem to matter what most people on the street are interested in. It seems like there are certain classes of people that whatever their opinion is is um, ten- is tends to be how the ho- the whole conversation is shaped. So if you have everyone who works in the in the media. Um, and everyone who works in, you know, making movies, making documentaries, everyone who's, um, you know, tells the stories, you know, the makes the movies, makes the music. If they're all on the same page politically, that's a fraction, a, t- a tiny fraction of the population. But they control the entire conversation. And so, you know, the and, and we know uh, we know the Silicon Valley political, the political um uh, leanings of the Silicon yes. Valley companies, you know, yeah. all the, the people who work in media. And so as long as that remains the same, um, y- there's very little hope. The, w- the one thing that I think um, 
it, what is hopeful is that the you know the Dutch farmers had the the protest. They were passing that yeah. Oh, yeah. incredibly restrictive agricultural bill, and the Dutch farmers all protest. And then they win a bunch. Of, they recently won a bunch of seats in parliament, and and they've got some that that political party. They started the Dutch Farmers Party, and you know that that is just uh, huge. I didn't even expect that to go through, but you know you don't have because people because all these all these um, avenues of communication, the mainstream media and social media, are all controlled by people with the same uh, political views. You don't have very much. Like the average person or someone who's against that doesn't have very much recourse, and you see, eventually things spill out. You know, and you saw that in the "He Will Not Divide Us." You saw that with the the Trump election. I think you see that with the truckers. You know, the truckers in Canada. Yeah. You know, you're not allowed to talk about any of this stuff. You're not allowed to disagree with the government on any social media platform. The only time it gets big is like when people show up in person physically because. You know, and, and and that was sort of controversial within Canada. It was because they were demonized in the same way that the Dutch farmers were demonized and everything. You know, you can control people's opinion of, of those movements um, by by controlling the media. So it's yeah, I'm I'm not as like hopeful as as you are, Matt. But um, uh, well, I'm just trying to be a little optimistic. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> Yeah. It, it is like I'm happy to be, you know, because now they'll say, "Hey, you know, did you hear they made a doc- they made a documentary about he will not divide us?" And finally, I get to be the they, the they and I yeah. get to, I get to have a little bit of influence over over a small story that hopefully um, is is coming from someone who's outside of this to- this totally contr- controlled um, these controlled institutions that are ideologically controlled. So, yeah, yeah hopefully I, we see more stories like coming from yeah. outside. Hopefully we do. And I still think, you know, to reiterate a point from earlier that that this documentary, you know, even if it's on a somewhat alternative platform right now, Movie Plus, well, it's also on Amazon and hopefully soon iTunes. I, I still think it cross over because I still think it presents things in a way that's uh, that goes down easily, you know, no matter what mm. your persuasion is. And um, I have a lot of hope for for things like that sort of changing, changing the conversation a bit. Um, yeah. Yeah. I absolutely. think that's the way to do it. Are you working on anything else? I mean, it's okay if not, or if there's nothing that you'd really want to pitch at this point. But before I wrap up, I definitely wanted to ask. Well, I work or or anything else that's going on with dividers you want to sort of pitch. <laughs> uh, well, no, not not a whole lot. Hopefully, it gets out on iTunes and yeah. and Google Play, and and hopefully, some more people get to see it because you know it's really hard when you're not from the institutions to to um, get the word out. So. That's what's happening at the moment. But in terms of another project, I'd love to do something similar on the Wall Street bets, GameStop, Short yeah. Squeeze, because oh, they, yeah, be Netflix great. made a documentary about that. I don't know if you saw that. It came I out, heard about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it came out at the end of last year, and um, I remember watching it, just thinking, um, you know, this is so, this is so. It's very. It's like if BuzzFeed. Like a, the Buzz, bu- yeah. personality of BuzzFeed created a documentary, and it's very, <laughs> oh, no. it's very yeah. tame, and it's very, and they all the people they interview are like journalists from mainstream media platforms, and all the main, and and I and I just thought this is a this is an outsider story. This is, you know, I don't think they captured really the spirit of it, yeah. and so I would like to do 
uh, a documentary about Wall Street bets and make it better, better than the Netflix yeah. one. So that's yeah. I, I, you know, I, I've I haven't started anything, but that's that's uh, that's a dream that would be great to do do something like that in the next no, year or so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and there's so many like interesting personalities that were caught up in that. Like, there's really fertile ground, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, um, Dan, unless you have any other questions for uh, No, no. Yeah, just, uh, we... you know, thank you again for coming on, Josiah. And, yeah, thank, uh, thank you, you for making me. the dividers. Yeah, thank oh, you. Oh, you're so, welcome. Yeah, on both you're welcome, Dr. guys. <laughs> All right. Have a great, uh, great rest of your Monday, and we will enjoy the remainder of our Sunday. <laughs> yeah, will do. Yeah.